You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Feeling good this the second day of January. It's a day I know well. So, good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We have one of our best guests ever on, and uh, he agreed to come back and put up with me for another hour. This is America's Web Radio, and it is the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame Hour right here on America's Web Radio, and we've got some exciting news, and it all centers around our guest, who is Mike Dover, and he is the national, okay, you got your pen and pencil out, and your paper, underline, he is the national chaplain, that means you have to bow twice, I think, or maybe three times, I'm not sure, but anyway, he is the national chaplain of the Disabled American Veterans Association, which is, uh, you know, just me being able to get it out is a is a pretty remarkable thing. But uh, you know, Mike is fantastic. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and we've got a little bit of uh, news to tell folks. And uh, it all, if you're a veteran, you know a veteran, you're you're a spouse of a veteran, whatever. We've got some good news for you, and Mike has been just absolutely wonderful about the fact that um, I didn't know all of the availabilities of um, the Veterans Association and what all it can do, and uh, there are benefits out there that I had no idea about. So, with that being said... Mike, welcome back to America's Web Radio. Well, thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be back, and I'd be amiss if I didn't wish you a happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, as I say, Moses was a good friend, so that covers that. <laughs> awesome. At least, at least with at least with my GPS, I can remember where I'm going and how to get there. <laughs> well, I understand this. I use the GPS myself. <laughs> helps. So, this is, you know, uh, I have thought and and prayed about this, quite frankly, uh, since we first met on the telephone and started talking about uh, benefits. And uh, uh, one of the grandest is, is the fact that I met you and met you through a uh, our, my good friend and your good friend, Rick White, who is the executive director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, I had absolutely no idea about the uh, potential benefits for veterans, and that includes, which I didn't know, reservists. And uh, reserves that, the reservists that uh, were... During the Vietnam veteran, uh, during the Vietnam era, and uh, we're going to talk some about that, but just some in general. And then, uh, if you don't mind me taking the lead on this, we're going to be doing in the near future starting up a weekly program just for veterans, their spouses, and talking about the benefits that are available to veterans. And I guess from what you said or what we've talked about, some of these almost not change daily, but they certainly do change, and they've certainly changed with uh, President Trump in power. Right, absolutely. And the Blue Water Navy bill uh, is one of the most recent changes, so that if you were on a ship during the Vietnam era, at least 12 miles off the uh, land of Vietnam, and you dealt with Agent Orange Chemicals, you are now eligible uh, to submit uh, for a Agent Orange benefit. So that's one of the latest changes that just come in. Yeah, you know, I guess, I, I, you know, as I've mentioned many times, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box by any stretch, but uh, I couldn't believe that the naval folks <laughs> weren't getting benefits. 
how the heck do you think they got there? How could they be exposed with Agent Orange if they weren't there? And why weren't they getting benefits to begin with? I just, that, uh, well, the only people that are eligible are those that had boots on the ground. Hello? Yeah, it's hard, yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, we've taken this long to uh, recognize those uh, Navy veterans on warships uh, during that particular era. Uh, and it's... I, to navigate the government is like uh, the best analogy I can explain is it's an aircraft carrier, it's out at sea, and it takes it a couple of miles to turn around. And that's the government. Uh, you cannot turn it around on a dime. It takes time to get it turned around, but it's long overdue. It's been over almost 50 years, and we're just now addressing the Blue Water Navy concerns now, 50 years later. So it's amazing how slow the government works, but it's done. And now those uh, Navy veterans can now submit uh, for that Agent Orange benefit if they meet the requirement. Um, you know, we're and as I understand it, and we haven't uh, crossed all the T's or, or dotted all the I's yet, but uh, as we go along, Mike, uh, you'll be identifying, uh, you know, like if you meet the qualifications and uh, also the fact that... Um, and I want to stress this, Mike and the disabled American veterans are here and there to help you, not to just uh, make you look like a Christmas present with more red, red tape wrapped around you, but they're here with a big pair of scissors to help you cut through that red tape and get you what you need and get your family what you need as well. Um, that's, uh, there, there are, I don't know the right term, but there are benefits available to, um, veterans' families. And, uh, I think that, uh, this should be known as well. I agree, but I would like to follow up and just say, e even if you're a veteran, uh, not every veteran gets benefits. It really depends on what's in your military medical records that uh, meet the Code of Federal Regulation 38, which is the federal law that governs benefits. And it's from those two documents we can determine whether or not you, the veteran, are eligible for benefits. And we've had some veterans that aren't eligible for benefits because they had nothing in their military medical records that uh, met the CFR 38 uh, criteria. And so I will tell you that we, uh, as, as uh, veteran service organizations, we uh, will screen those records for you free of charge. We will do the VA paperwork for you free of charge. But there is some footwork that a veteran has to do in order for us to complete the process so that they can get the benefits that they deserve. And uh, we don't go out and do the homework, which is gather all the records together that make the case. The veteran has to do that. And so, you know, we almost live in a society of millennials that, you know, want to hand out, and it's all about them and uh, what can you get for me. And the reality of it is um, maybe as a society we've created that kind of mentality in our veterans, and I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Not all veterans are like that, but there are some that are. And we even have veterans that are already receiving benefits, and they want more. And so there's nothing we can do for them because they're going to receive the max benefits that law allows. So I would just say that uh, we can help uh, the veteran and their dependents. And I think in the last show we mentioned something about if a veteran passes away from a disability that the VA has recognized, then the spouse of that veteran can receive what they call DIC, which is a check for the rest of their lives, uh, to assist them with their, uh, uh, with their living. And so, therefore, uh, a lot of this information that we'll be covering today, if we get to it, is found on websites. If you're not sure who the disabled American veterans are, type it into Google search or whatever search engine you have, pull it up, know what we do. If you're unsure of what VA form you need to fill out for whatever particular benefit or issue that you have, type in what the issue is 
uh, and relate it to a, the VA in a formal pop-up. A lot of electronic forms are out there. Um, the Disabled American Veterans, if you have access to YouTube on the computer, you can do a search for DAV, Disabled American Veterans, uh, mini-series. And we go in and explain to you in all these various uh, programs that the Disabled American Veterans have put together, you can watch a YouTube video on how to. And so there's many, many resources out there for the veteran uh, to research, look at, and, uh, and then uh, still, if, if it's too much for you, then go to the local Disabled American Veterans Chapter Office. We have service officers there that would do everything for you for free, take care of you. But you've got to bring, you know, your medical records, proof of service, things of that nature, uh, so that we can do the right thing and be adherence to the federal law. Mike, let me ask you, and I, like you said, at my age, I got an excuse. I can't remember yesterday. But anyway, uh, does it stop strictly when we're talking benefits? Or, and I, I want to clarify this for myself and for the, for the show we're going to do. Are we, we going to stop this at strictly medical, or are we going to talk benefits other than medical? Well, there are other... Uh, benefits than medical, but medical is a real big one uh, because of the the huge. Uh, let me just say this: I bought the 2015 edition of the CFR 38. It comes in two big three-inch volumes. It is just overwhelming to take those hard-bound books and go through and flip through and find the law that deals with you uh, with the particular issue that you may be applying for. Well, now those two big volumes are now my uh, my base for my laptop computer screen because the laws have changed so greatly that it's much easier just to get out onto the uh, website and look up CFR 38 to do some research for your medical condition or other than medical condition. Um, when I say other than medical condition, I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, the GI Bill. Uh, I'm talking about SGI-LI insurance that you can purchase. It's a bit expensive, but these are things that are other than medical that you can purchase through the VA if you choose to do so. Um, I would say that uh, I would look around for, uh, you know, a better insurance deal. But uh, if you choose to buy these things through the VA, they pay out upon the veteran's death to the dependents. But for the, the veteran to get any kind of benefits, the medical is where we primarily go to, to the military medical records. Um, like, for instance, um, uh, combat, you're in combat. Now, you have said that you're, you're a Vietnam-era veteran, that you didn't spend a day in combat. I will tell you that I'm a Cold War veteran. I did not spend a day in combat, even though I was on the hot zones of the East German Border Patrol back when it existed and on the DMZ in Korea when it existed. And uh, But I wasn't shot at. And I did not serve a day in combat. Be yet I'm 40%, and I'll just tell your listening audience that, I'm 40% disabled because I jumped out of too many airplanes. It messed up my spine, things of that nature. So you don't have to be shot at in order to receive medical benefits. But the key for the veteran to receive these things, it's got to be in the military medical records of some sort. Um, I can tell you that uh, it was one of my... Um, and I, and I regret doing this, but as a first sergeant in the United States Army, I used to tell the privates, hey, sick call AWOL. You know, don't go to sick call, tough it out, suck it up, drive on. And I realize now by spreading that kind of misinformation, these uh, veterans that are coming out do not have these conditions that they're now dealing with in their medical records. And if it's not there, it's not military-related in accordance to the uh, Code of Federal Regulation 38, which then in turns... Uh, really doesn't do the veteran any justice, and it's sad. Does, does this mean uh, that so, being short, the uh, VA is not going to cover that? Uh, <laughs> no, no, that, <laughs> no. That's uh, unless uh, you became short if you were six foot, and then uh, you left the service at four foot. There would probably be some serious <laughs> medical conditions the VA would have to consider with that. Uh, I just saw maybe ducking or something like. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think this is this is and and going a, one step further, just like you were talking about uh, jumping out of planes and stuff. Um, you know, there are a lot of reservists that jump out of planes or did, 
and uh, yep. you know there are things that are available for them and so we're going to talk a lot medical and then I'm sure we can find some other folks as well to bring in at different times down the road that can talk other things that uh, may not be medical and that people should at least check into and I guess uh, first and foremost I know you're helping me uh, on another situation and I think the first thing you would say to anybody is make you make sure you have your discharge papers and your DD form and um, I I still have in my green book my my honorable discharge that I got when uh, when I got out and uh, make sure you have those and as you mentioned the other day take them to your local courthouse and get a certified copy of each and every form. Absolutely, and I would add to that. Um, and the reason why we recommend you go to your local courthouse to recorder's court, take your DD-214 to that uh, entity. They will make copies and put it in a big book. And then if you lose the original, instead of ordering it through the Internet, uh, which would probably go to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and it would take about six to nine weeks where you get another copy back, you can just walk down to the courthouse and have a copy made, and it's just as valid as an original one sent to you by the um, the um, military warehouse in St. Louis, Missouri, where all the records are kept. With the exception of Marines, I think uh, Marines' records are kept at a different location. I'm not sure where that is, but as an Army veteran, I'm pretty much up on the Army uh, places where you can go. Now, a caution, a word of caution to your listeners. Once you make copies of your DD-214 or your... Um, release record from the National Guard or Reserves. I don't know if it's a DD-214 that you guys receive from that or not. Um, it now becomes uh, public accessible since you put it in the courthouse. So if you don't want people to know what's on your record, then don't do the courthouse thing. Uh, I have no problem with that. A lot of people don't have problems with that. So it's about convenience and about privacy. If you don't mind what the public sees, then go to the courthouse, make copies, for uh, and have it in your local courthouse for for uh, you to go and make copies when you lose the original. Or if you don't want people to know what you're doing, you can go on the internet, order your military records, both medical and your military uh, records, together at St. Louis, Missouri. Unless you're a Marine, and I'm not sure where you go for that. Now, does this cover your, uh, basically your 201 file? Yes, uh, actually. Uh, what the Army has done, and again, I can only speak from the Army's perspective, we have a website, uh, well, let me let me back up a little bit. There is a website called eBenefits, E, the word benefits, and they're all together. And if you're a veteran, you can go to eBenefits, and you can set up your own account, and it will tie it in to the VA system if you have a VA account. My point being is that the e-benefits is a one-stop shop for a veteran to go and research anything they need to know, what paperwork needs to happen, uh, self-taught lessons on uh, what you need to do, when you need to do it. And sometimes, uh, because it's a government website, they don't always convey the message as clearly <laughs> as we'd like. And so we've taken some of those hard uh, issues that Disabled American Veterans has and we've laid out our own YouTube uh, lessons that make it very simple, very easy to follow if you want to go that route. But I can tell you that um, uh, it's like a 201 file. My 201 file is now kept digitally. I have access to all my um, records that uh, I accomplished uh, in the military on eBenefits. And uh, it, may, it makes it real easy for one-stop shop. So the military services have come a long way. Uh, and really, they're catering to the millennials who are all about technology. Uh, the older veterans have a little bit of uh, difficulty, but that's what your veteran service organizations are for. Okay, let, um, let me ask, I, and I, I, I was just thinking of, oh, the government never gets anything screwed up, but um, <laughs> I happen to be so old that when I went in, I don't know if people can believe this or not, but you had a service number. They weren't using your social security number. I and right. I, if if you put ten guns to my head right now, 
I couldn't anymore give you an idea of what my service number was than sprout wings and fly. Um, so when when and at some in in my era and my time as, as I was a company clerk or I was a company typist. I really didn't have the title of clerk formally. I just had hey typist get over here and uh, but. At that point, that's when they switched over from service numbers to using everybody's social security number. Did was there ever a hiccup in all of that? Um, actually, uh, they worked through that problem very well. Even if you can't remember your service number, if you can remember the approximate year dates that you served, and you have your number—I mean, your full name and your social security number. Uh, when you put it on the form to request information, they can go back in and they can pull your name up from that era uh, that you placed on that sheet of paper that says, I served in the Navy from such and such to such and such, or I served in the Army from such and such to such and such. They can still find your record. So if you don't know your service number, that's okay. Uh, it can st- Your records can still be found. I'll be darned. They did something right. Yes. Now... <laughs> I'll follow that up with, there was a fire in St. Louis, Missouri. I remember that. And so there's a number of records that were burned up. And if you are one of those veterans that, uh, and you can go on the VA website, and it will tell you what records were burned up. So if you served in 1968 in Vietnam, and you get on the VA website, and it says the records for 1968 were burned up, don't don't have a panic a panic attack. What we can do is, if you've got your own records at home, we can, uh, or the VA and the government can reconstruct your service based on the records that you have in your possession. Uh, oh wait so a second. Okay, that, what records would those be, Mike? Well, let's say uh, you mentioned earlier you have an honorable discharge yeah. certificate. Yeah. Uh, you may have. Um, a training certificate from a school that you attended while you were in the reserves, National Guard, or active force. Uh, all those uh, are proof that you served and can be used to reconstruct your uh, military record. Huh. Uh, you know, because I've, uh, you know, I, at memory, I've got, uh, I don't have a complete 201. They don't give you that. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got some things. I've got some uh, quote unquote. Uh, well, like like uh, going to the rifle range and where I fired expert or did this or did that. I've got some of those, but uh, the the biggest thing I have is my honorable discharge, and beyond yep. that, I couldn't. You know, I can give you the dates of when I was when I took the oath and when I got out or when I was right. discharged, but. Uh, I really don't have a whole lot of fill-in-the-blanks after that. Well, and a lot of veterans are in the same boat. that They don't have a lot of military medical records, per se, uh, to get their benefits, which is the travesty because, you know, we avoid sick call like it's a plague of something when we were in, <laughs> we're in uniform and in service. And so, therefore, they don't have anything to base their benefits off of. However, let's talk about the National Guard and Reserves for a moment. Um I think you touched on that at, at the last show, and you said there are benefits for National Guard and Reserves. Absolutely. But there are some conditions associated with that. And some of those conditions include, um, you know, to, in order to get a VA pension, okay, then to be eligible for that VA pension, you've got to meet certain requirements. One, um, the first requirement is you've got to be age 65 or older in order to get a VA pension if you are a National Guardsman or a reservist and, and, and you never I'll, spent a day in combat. I'll throw in this. If you don't have all those, I'll be glad to give you a few of them or loan you. <laughs> I got That's some right. extra now. Oh, ex- <laughs> Excellent. Now, if you are permanently and totally disabled as a National Guardsman or a reservist, but not due to your own personal misconduct, you're eligible for VA pension. If you're a patient in a nursing home receiving skilled nursing care, you're eligible for VA pension. If you're receiving Social Security disability insurance, you are eligible for a VA pension. And then finally, if you're receiving supplemental security income, you're eligible for a VA pension if you're a National Guardsman 
or a reservist. And now the other criteria is that as a National Guardsman or reservist, did you spend at least 90 days or 24 months on active duty in active war zone? So if you, uh, another cri- criteria, so you've got the age disability requirements that I just listed. Now you've got the active service requirements for the National Guard and Reservists, and I'll just mention a few here if we have time. Sure. Uh, Actually, you I'll tell you what, Mike, deployed- Mike, let's take a break right quick and come back to this because this is sort of a good stopping point, and then I'd rather flow all the way through with with everything else. So let's take a uh, quick commercial break with Mike Mazel talking about the J.C. Healing Wall. We'll be right back after this. Good morning. My name is Mike Mazel. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon-cutting ceremony, and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project. You can donate at jcvets.org. Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on America's Web Radio, and our guest and uh, soon to be our host actually is uh, Mike Dover with America with the Disabled American Veterans Association, and he is the national chaplain. So, you know, if uh, the way I look at it is, how can we miss if? Uh, if we don't get it one way, we'll just go to Mike and and uh, get down and say, Chaplain, we got to work on it from a different direction. And uh, I yeah. think he knows both directions. Anyway, well. we, we were talking about what a reservist can do. And, Mike, I'll turn it back over to you. All right. Thanks, David. Well, when we uh, right before the break, we covered age and disability requirements for the National Guardsmen and the Reservists. And I laid out the um, requirements in order for you to meet in order to get VA pension. Now, what I'd like to do, um, if you're a National Guardsman or a Reservist and you've been on active duty, then there are some other requirements under that particular column that i like to cover with your audience so that they have a good understanding of what they're eligible for and what to apply for. So, on or before September 7, 1980. Now, I'm going to read this right out of the VA pamphlet so I don't get it wrong, and there's no misinformation out there for your listeners. If you are enlisted on or before September 7, 1980, these are the requirements if you've gone into a wartime situation. You have to have been on active duty at least 90 days with at least one of those days during a wartime period. Now, notice it didn't say you had to be in country fighting. It says that at least one of those days, if you were on active duty for 90 days, one of those days has to be in a wartime period. And, oh, by the way, America's been at war since the Revolutionary War, and if you count all the wars up, we've not been at war for a total of about four years in our country's history. Quite amazing. Now, if you've been uh, at least 90 consecutive days or more, if the period began or ended during a war period. So, you know, uh, Desert Storm was a very short war. I think it was a 30-day period. So in your 90-day period, a portion of that was in that small window, then you're eligible for VA pension. Now, let's talk about aggregated of 90 days or more during more than one wartime period. So you may, you may have served... Uh, I'm sure, David, you know a number of veterans that have uh, combat infantry badges with stars in sure. the wreath, which means the wreath itself means they served in one conflict. 
the star means they served in two totally separate conflicts. And I've known some veterans that have had two stars and a reef, which means they served in three wars. And I'm sure you've seen enough of those, uh, World War II, Korean, and Vietnam veterans that uh, kind of meet that. But we've gotten veterans now today that have been to Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and they're going to have three uh, combat awards for that period. And then finally, if on or before September 7, 1980, as an enlisted National Guardsman or Reservist, during a wartime period, you were discharged or released because of a service-connected disability. Now, I would just like to use that as a story for my dad so that the National Guardsmen and Reservists understand what's going on. My dad was an Indiana National Guardsman for 25 years. He never served a day in Vietnam. But in 1972, he was on a training mission in a Huey helicopter, and it crashed. He was one of two survivors out of the crew that walked away, but he was really mangled up and messed up. So he was heavily scarred. Now, he didn't serve a day in combat, but it was during the Vietnam era, and he was injured. And that's what this last uh, service uh, bullet that VA covers is someone who was discharged or released because of service-connected disability. Now, my dad was not discharged. He ended up serving in the National Guard an additional 10 years, but yet he's now at 100% because he received a disability while he was a National Guardsman. Now, I'll stop with the story, and I'll go back to on or after September 7, 1980. So everything I've given your audience is on or before September 7, 1980, as an enlisted, and officers is a different criteria. So now let's talk about your pension that, that uh, you're eligible for after September 7, 1980. So if you're enlisted, then w the new requirement is after 1980, you must have least served 24 continuous months or the full period you were called or ordered with at least one day during a wartime period. So Let's say reservists come in and you serve an uh, initial six-year term, and that's all you do. You meet one week in a month, you go two weeks uh, in the summer, and your six years is complete. Well, if you did those six years during a particular wartime conflict or wartime period, at least one of those days in that conflict, then you're eligible for VA pension. During a wartime period, you were discharged or released because of a service-connected disability. And it doesn't say you had to receive the disability or service-connected disability uh, in war. It just says during wartime. So that changes the whole dynamics of how a National Guardsman and Reservist can be eligible for these benefits. And so finally, you uh, as a National Guardsman or Reservist, you are eligible if you previously completed 24 continuous months of active service prior to the date above or received an earlier discharge under Section 1171 of Title 10. Now, that's gobbledygook, and, and I just read it off the pamphlet itself, so let me explain. You have Title 10 and you have Title 32, and I can't remember which is which, but... Um, Basically, if you're a National Guardsman, you fall under Title 10. If you're a reservist, I believe you fall under Title 32. And if I've got those mixed up, forgive me, just reverse it. But those two titles under the federal law are what govern the National Guardsman and the reservist when it comes to compensation. Well, I'm just curious. Uh, and because I got you on the phone... Okay, I'll give you my example, I, and I don't know whether, and I don't even understand, I know what pension means, but I don't understand if or not. And, uh, okay, I when I joined in 69, and the summer of 69, I went in on active duty to basic training on January the 7th of 70, and I was released from basic on in May. And I'd serve my, you know, I'd serve through basic, and then I went on to serve the rest of my six years, went to summer camp, went to this, went to that, and uh, was discharged, honorable discharge, and uh, I'd have to look at it, but it was in uh, 75. So that was my six years. So are you saying I'm still eligible for something, pension? 
Yes, if it's in your military medical records, you are still eligible for pension because I uh, believe if you look on the VA website, it tells you uh, the the beginning date and the end date when the specific war eras uh, were created and when they ended. I think Vietnam, according to the VA, uh, ended in 1975. So the only only thing I'm really eligible for, though, is if I had a medical problem either during that time or since then that's related to military. But if if I'm clean as a way, you know, I had pneumonia mm-hmm. uh, in at Fort Ord, but that yep. you know that it, it thank goodness it didn't last you know 50 years later. But right. um, you know that th- I wasn't ever hurt. I wasn't ever anything. So. I'm at this at this point. I'm really not eligible for anything, right? Uh, uh, that's not true. If if you're uh, if it's possible that you're not eligible for a pension, you are eligible because of your age, because you served in the reserve uh, during a wartime period, and at least one of those days was in that wartime period. Oh, yeah. You can get you can get free VA medical health care for the rest of your life. Really? Yep. All you have to do is, uh, I think, uh, co-pays for drugs when the VA doctor prescribes is like $8. It may have gone up since then. I don't know. Uh, And the reason uh, I'm not sure is because all my disabilities that I have are treated by the VA. And because I'm an Army retired individual, I go to the Department of Defense Hospital for all my other ailments. And I don't pay for any of my drugs because in the VA... uh, you receive prescriptions free of charge if it's related to your disability. If for some reason uh, they end up prescribing you a particular medication because now you're going to the VA for just free medical health care, you may have to deal with an $8 copay for that drug. And I don't know if that copay has gone up. It's been a number of years since I've actually uh, been familiar with that system. But if you're not getting a pension, you can definitely use the free medical care that VA provides because of your service. Hmm. Didn't know that, but quite frankly, some of the horror stories at the VA hospital, I don't know. I don't know that I want to do that. Do I? Or, well, let me, yeah. I'll, I'll do a, a cheap plug for VA. Okay. Um, I've been, uh, I've been retired since 2001. So it's almost been a number of years here since I've been retired and I've been using the VA on a regular basis, and I can tell you there was a time when there were horror stories related to the VA, but the VA has raised their standards so much that all I can tell you is in the last 13, 14 years I've been using the VA system, I've had nothing but great care. And and so I tell you, out of 20-some million veterans that live in the United States, only 9 million are using the VA and uh, they're not aware, as you weren't, uh, David, about, you know, so I'm not getting a pension, so I can't use the VA. Not true. Um, you'd be surprised the care that you can receive now at the VA hospitals or at what they call the, the clinics, which are strategically placed in the rural area so that if you can't drive to the hospital, you can go to a VA clinic that's nearest you. Hmm. And so these are things that you need to look at uh, to help uh, veterans understand, especially your listeners, that guys, it's not it's not over until it's over. And um, uh, there is help and hope for any veteran, whether you were active, reserve, or National Guard. You can get either a pension if you meet the requirements, or you can just receive free VA health care uh, based on your service, and those uh, service dates fall under some war period. So I would assume that there's uh, some red tape that, well, let's just continue with my case, and, and I'm only doing this because there's got to be a million and one others that are just like me. Uh, right. So I, if I decided I wanted to get VA medical uh, and go to the VA hospital or VA clinic, um, I have to go to the VA first and show them my paperwork, and then they'll issue me something or... I can't just go walking into the VA hospital and say, hi, here I am, here's my honorable discharge. Yeah, you're correct. What the VA is going to need from the veteran is the discharge papers. I think for active duty, you get a DD-214. 
for reserves and National Guard, you get a different type of discharge paper unless you serve 90 days uh, in active or 24 months active, then you'll also get a DD-214. But whatever paperwork you have in your hand that proves that you served your country, that's what you take to the nearest VA office. And then from there, once they have your proof, uh, they'll verify it through their computers, and then they will enroll you into the medical system. Now, I will tell you, if you make more than $35,000 a year, that's going to be a roadblock for you from receiving VA care. They have, uh, the law says that if you receive $35,000 or more per year, that um, they're not going to take care of you medically. However, by law, CFR 38, the VA must take care of your disabilities if they have been uh, recognized from the CFR 38. So therefore, even if you make $35,000 or more, but you have, let's say, 50% uh, disability with the VA, you can still go to the VA hospital under that circumstance and receive free care for your disabilities and receive the free prescriptions associated with those disabilities. Other than that, uh, you can still, uh, then you'll have to find care elsewhere if you're 35000 or more a year and you don't have any disabilities. So, uh, and that is an area that I am not a subject matter expert in. That is something that I'm working on now, trying to work with the subject matter experts to come on your show and explain that better than I possibly could. Because I could be stepping all over my two left feet right now and telling you wrong information, but it's the information I understand now. And because I'm not a service officer, uh, I have, I'm only vaguely familiar with the CFR 38 as it relates to me and my disabilities, because I've had to do the research and, and so, therefore, really what we need to bring on your program, David, is a chapter or department or even a national service officer that can really get into the weeds with your, um, your audience and ask and answer the questions that most veterans are going to ask anyway. And they will just absolutely give you more. If you think I'm giving you a lot of information, man, oh, man, they just <laughs> blow me out of the water based on what they know. And I can tell you they're properly trained. The VA uh, has a tendency to come to the Disabled American Veterans Service Officer School. Uh, we train these guys 16 months. And as I said in your last show, they are so well trained and versed in all the VA has for pension and compensation and disability benefits that uh, they could run circles around me all day long. But I'm happy that we've got folks that know that information. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to mention, too, that uh, if you have a question, one, you have the option of going to disabled American veterans and taking your question to them or contacting them online, or you can send your question to david at americaswebradio.com, and uh, pretty soon it'll be... I think it's going to, Mike, if it's okay, I'm going to set up uh, your email address as uh, Mike D. It just happens that you and I, I'm a Michael David, and you're Mike D. Dover, so, but we'll just keep it as, as, or we might just make it Mike Dover. How about that? Or M. Dover. M. Dover at americaswebradio.com. You can uh, email, send an email asking your questions, and as we do our shows, if Mike can't answer it, we'll get somebody that can. And uh, Absolutely. We will uh, work with you any way in the world. And for the gentleman that you and I spoke of earlier, if he's listening to this uh, or he listens to the archive of it, well, uh, I hope I've covered it right, that we will get you an answer one way or the other. And it will be to your benefit to uh, just send us an email and we'll take the ball from there and either dribble up or dribble down the court with it. And uh, Absolutely. And, David, if I may, uh, for your listening audience uh, convenience, I want to list two websites that they can go to. Well, you're uh, doing that. For, I'm going to run back to my office 
and uh, get my get my dishonorable discharge in that other form that because I can't remember the number either. But we'll give it, and so people will if they've been in the reserves and are AO. Now, you know, I switched from Nash NG to AR. I assume that makes no difference in any shape, form, or fashion. No, it doesn't. Okay, I'll be right back. You go all ahead, right. Mike. It's all okay. yours. All right. Well, uh, to the veterans that are listening to this program, I'm going to give you two websites that will get you started in the right direction. The first website is www.e, as in the letter, benefits, all one word, ebenefits.va.gov. That's the first website you need to go to. The second website is for guardsmen and reservists. It is www.benefits.va.gov forward slash guard reserve, all one word. So if you are a veteran and you don't know where to begin, then the first thing to do is find a local disabled American veterans chapter near you. Now, uh, the VFW and the American Legion also have service officers. And so if you cannot find a disabled American veterans chapter near you, then look up a VFW or an American Legion or uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America or Vietnam Veterans of America Veterans Service Organizations, and they'll be more than happy to get you in the right direction. So bottom line is www.ebenefits.com. .va.gov, and if you're a reserve or guardsman, you need to go to www.benefits.va.gov forward slash guard reserve, all one letter, or all one word, excuse me. Okay, I'm back. Now, when you and I were in, Mike, uh, there used to be a term that somebody has their stuff together. And do I have my stuff together? I knew exactly which file drawer to pull out. And I'm looking at my honorable discharge, which is dated uh, April 1975, 27 April 1975. And uh, I'm looking at this other form, and it, it actually, from my AR, it, uh, let's see... Uh, okay, they're talking about. Okay, there. This one is honorable discharge form two fifty six A DD form two fifty six A. Are you familiar with that? Or you ever heard of that? Yes, that's probably the uh, discharge form that reserve and guardsmen get. Okay, and this was just, so that's an important form. This was just basically hand typed, and it won't. Weren't no computer that done this, that's for sure. (laughs) I don't think we had computers like that back in April of 1975. But uh, I do have my my DD. What does DD stand for? Discharge or or date of discharge? It's Department of Defense. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Well, no, I told you I wasn't the brightest bulb in the box. So, anyway, Department of Defense Farm 256, capital A. And that means I are out, and I was honorably discharged, and I can look down as I walk. That's correct. Look down as you walk? No, you can look up. Oh, look (laughs) Look up. Okay. Anyway, so we've covered that, and if... And I would suggest anybody that's been in the reserve, because... Okay, didn't we talk about the fact that... uh, that there are burial plots too, that are available for reservists. Well, we yes, absolutely. Um, every veteran, guard, reserve, or active duty, uh, at the end of your time, um, you are eligible. And this is this is a VA benefit. It's not a pension. It's another VA benefit that you're eligible for. You are eligible to be buried in a national or state sponsored by VA Cemetery. And we have a few. Of course, I'm, I'm down here in Georgia, so uh, we have a number of them around my area that uh, you, the veteran, can be buried free of charge. Now, what's going to cost the veteran is the funeral expenses. 
what the veteran is required to pay for is a casket, if that's where they choose to get, or the cremation, if that's the direction they want to go. But once you have the casket, or once you're cremated, then it's just a matter of paying the funeral home whatever fee they have to get you to that national cemetery. But the crypt, the ground, and the memorial stone are all free of charge to the veteran and to the veteran's dependent. So both the spouse and the veteran can be buried in the same plot if they wish to be. Wow. And uh, in my case, I'm going to be cremated, so will will the VA pay for the fan and uh, blow the ashes all over hell and back? Well, believe it or not, David, <laughs> if, if you choose to have your ashes dumped at sea, they will do that. If you, uh, I was in a national cemetery in Puerto Rico uh, last summer, and they have a section of a cemetery plot where they'll take your ashes, and they will pour it on the ground, and then they put a memorial stone there in that section uh, where your ashes were uh, laid to rest. I'll be darned. So, do yeah, they, do, so, they, do yeah. they consider that for Texans, too? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's amazing uh, how, matter of fact, I'm <laughs> of the number of things that I'm uh, part of, I'm also sit on the, uh, I'm a mid- committee member of the uh, advisory committee for cemeteries and memorials at the VA level. So the undersecretary uh, selected me to sit on that because I'm a national chaplain. Uh, you know, I, I've done many funerals. I understand the concept. But I've learned so much more about what national cemeteries will accommodate for the veteran or their spouse. And you can have, uh, and if you don't want your ashes scattered, let me take it a step further. They will bury your ashes in a four, uh, let's see, a two-foot by two-foot plot and put a memorial stone right there above your ashes so you look like the rest of everyone else in that cemetery as if you were buried there. And you wow. are, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've laid your ashes to rest. Just, just so uh, this, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... Uh, does this also include, uh, I can get sort of teary-eyed just thinking about it, but the uh, the playing of taps and also the uh, playing of the bagpipes. Okay. Now. Which falls under arrangements, I guess. Well, that is correct. Now, if you've retired from the service, you can get a full 21-gun salute and a full military escort uh, with the flag-draped coffin. Okay. However, if you did not retire and you only served anywhere from two years to six years, whether you're reserve, guard, or act or reservist, you still get the free burial plot. You still get the plane of the taps, but sometimes, but you're not going to get a full military honor guard to carry your remains or to do the 21 gun salute. So, what I recommend for folks like that is you can coordinate with the local veteran service organizations that have their own color guard and their own taps player, and they will come and give you uh, the appropriate uh, ceremony that is uh, worthy of your service. So if you are a retired service member and you served on the active duty, you're authorized a full military escort. If you are not a retired veteran and you only served a certain amount of time but it's all honorable, uh, then uh, you, uh, the national cemeteries have a bugle player. They play taps, but you don't get the 21-gun salute, and uh, you don't get the, uh, the escort guard to bring in your remains to the particular plot that they're going lay to lay you at rest at. So you got to know the difference, but you can still get all of that if you do your coordination with the local veteran service organizations because a lot of them, VFW, American Legion, DAV, have color guards, and that's what they do. Which is a, a very, is a perfect segue to mention the healing wall that uh, Johns Creek, Georgia has, and uh, that they will be opening to the public, and the ribbon cutting will be in March, they, they think around March the 28th. And this is the, uh, the Vietnam veteran wall that traveled all over the United States. It's a half size 50% replica of the Washington DC Vietnam Veterans Wall but this will this is being put in stone and will be a permanent place in Johns Creek Georgia and I know for a fact that they do have their own color guard and I'm sure that they would 
be more than willing and happy to talk to you, particularly if you live in this area. I don't think they're going to go to Portland, Oregon, but uh, at the same time, if you're in this area, uh, check out the Johns Creek Vietnam Veterans Association. They will, Mike Mazell and that group will bend over backwards for you. And uh, now what I deserve, I'd be lucky to get a cassette with batteries. (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter the length of your service, David. Every veteran gets the respect that's due them. Remember, and I I try to let veterans uh, ajar their memory, veterans who serve this country are less than 1% of a 370 million population. So you're talking about just over a million serve their country wearing the uniform. And anybody, regardless what your job is, guard, reserve, or active, it doesn't matter. Your service is unique in that you're less than 1% of the population that protects the Constitution against foreign and domestic powers and chose, chose, unless you were a Vietnam veteran were drafted, but yet you still went. You could have been a draft dodger, but those that went during the draft in Vietnam era still served with distinction and still deserve the honor that they get for their service, regardless what that service was. You know, this is, uh, this is, you just wrapped up exactly why we're going to do an hour a week talking about veterans. And we're going to learn some folks about all the possibility and the benefits that are available, be they financial, medical, uh, housing, you know, Georgia, I think, just uh, did a deal, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, on uh, VA housing. And uh, we're going to, we're going to, you can send us an email or we're going to address thousands of different topics on the uh, veteran, what are we going to call this, Mike? Veterans Benefit Show? That could do that as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds good. And, uh, you know, Mike being a chaplain, I'm sure we're going to pray over it a little bit before we get started. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I jump in the fire and, and uh, forget the forget to uh, bring the fire extinguisher with me most of the time. But uh, we're going we're gonna to start this, and it's for you. And I'm proud to say that you know, most of us, and 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 I, I. What's funny, Mike? I've started doing this here in the studio. When I have somebody come in, I'll say, "Give me a definition of what you think American disabled veteran. What is what what is one of those things? You know, and probably so far I haven't kept track of it to any, you know, great great thing. But I would guess that ninety percent, ninety nine percent say, well. That's somebody that served in the military and uh, has lost an arm or an eye or disfigured or something like that, but that's not the case. And uh, that is correct. We're going to yeah. be Mike's going to be talking about that and bringing other people in to talk about it. That uh, there are so many things that are and and Mike, we're, we got to wrap it up, or I got to wrap it up. I got to shut up, is what I got to do. But one quick question: Is the military, and particularly the reservist side of it, doing a better job now of informing people? Because when I was when I was discharged, it was see you around, bye, and uh, you know that was it, and nothing explained about any potential benefits and maybe there just weren't any at that time but you know are they doing a better job of saying welcome to our fraternity and uh, we're not going to forget you uh i say that the jury is still out on that decision but i will tell you that from an active service point of view they have a transition meeting when you're transitioning from the military to civilian you spend four days in a class and they tell you everything that, you know, how to build a resume, how to search for a job, what are your medical uh, uh, priorities, uh, will you get any VA stuff uh, once you leave, that sort of thing. But I would say that it's not the information you're receiving on this radio show. Well, 
We're going to be starting it pretty soon, and pretty soon we'll have an answer within the next day or two. So, folks, thanks for joining us today on the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame Hour, and my salute goes out to my friend that's probably tired of hearing me call him, Rick White, and uh, all the rest of the folks at the uh, Hall of Fame and at Johns Creek. Mike, thank you for joining me again, and I, I, I don't know, I got this thing in my ear that says you're probably going to be back real soon. <laughs> we'll do what we can. All righty. Take care. Have a good weekend. For all of you veterans, have a great weekend and a, just a blessed 2020. We love you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.